Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? February 13th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast, and it's an absolute honor and a pleasure once again to welcome in James Lynch at Lynch on Sports on social media. Uh, once again, stepping up on short notice. Uh, he was in the weeds somewhere doing his thing, and I said, hey, dude, are you available today? He's like, for you? Yeah, let's get her done. Bang. And here we are. James, what's up, brother? I'm doing well. It's an honor and pleasure to be back on, man. I'm glad this all worked out. Um, Saturday night was a bit of a debacle. Uh, even UFC president Dana White was like, the worst thing that could have happened is if that referee, Todd Anderson, as we know, actually would have taken away a point in that main event. He should have took away two, but if he did take away a point and that fight would end up being a draw, that would have been a terrible thing for that UFC card. But, uh, we can go through some of the boats, but before we go through some of the boats overall, what was your take on that event? Well, I got kind of lucky because I actually didn't watch all of this live. I watched a chunk of it live. I was, I was away this weekend seeing family. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about how I ended up watching this card. Um, I had to get back to Toronto yesterday. Uh, you and I talked about this off air. I had to work last night in my day job. So I told, uh, you know, kind of my in-laws and stuff. I was like, you know, I got an early flight tomorrow to Toronto. You know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, hang out and stuff like after dinner. What I did was I went back to the hotel room and, uh, you know, I had the fights on my phone and I watched them there. So that first world problems when it comes to watching fights, right? So I caught the main card and then ended up catching uh, the undercard yesterday. But uh, I kind of got to zoom through it and I knew and I got some of the reviews, you know, ahead of time of which fights to kind of, you know, not worry too much about. But uh, from what I saw, yeah, I mean, especially even the main card too, dragged on a bit. You can't really predict the, uh, these things sometimes, you know, when it comes to the cards. Uh, but uh, d- disappointing, especially, you know, being the first pay-per-view this year for the UFC. I think they would have liked, uh, you know, some of these fights to, to unfold a bit better. But uh, sometimes you, you can't script things like, you know, the Anderson fight where, you know, the decision didn't go uh, the way everyone wanted or the main event. So uh, sometimes these things are avoidable. Just bad luck overall for the card. For, for those that don't know, ideally, guys like James and myself – we want to watch the events live, okay? We yeah. did. We do want to watch the events live, but the problem is, is we have family commitments. Uh, could be anything that could be going on uh, that where we can't watch the fight immediately live. Now, I do a post post event podcast nine times out of ten for UFC events, so I sort of have to watch the fights live and or get the updates or know what's going on, especially if I'm, I'm working with Sean Rossap, who's just religiously uh, glued to his TV, whether it's Fight Pass or whatever, or or, or his computer Fight Pass, whatever it is. So. 
I do have to watch them. But I can tell you this. There is nothing worse. Well, again, we're going to talk about first world problems. Let's, let's say <laughs> nothing worse than this first world problem for yours truly than to know I am eight fights behind when I finally get to my television, when I finally get to Fight Pass, to know I've got to catch up on eight fights and to look at the results and know that they're all decisions. They all went the distance. Does that drive you nuts as well? Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, you, you want to see a finish because then that way, you know, you can kind of look forward to it. You can expect it and everything. But it's really – it's a tough sell, Joe, isn't it? Like when you're not watching it live in certain fights and you know it goes a decision. Unless, you know, it's like a fight of the year, like a, you know, a Cub Swanson, Duhu Choi type thing. But those uh, don't have – you know, when you see decision, it's like, ah. Uh. It's it's a tough sell when it's not live, especially. Yeah, listen, I love the sport, you know, and and has it has it sort of has my love for the sport of mixed martial arts sort of waned a bit, or or maybe it's not as as new for me. I mean, I've been doing it for twenty two years. I've been watching it since day one. Um, you know, it, it's no different than hockey, basketball, football, baseball. You know, like you used to love it when you're in your teens and in your early twenties, but as life goes on, there's other things that sort of get your attention, and you know, you're not that passionate about it. I am, but not as much. But my goodness when i start seeing decision 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 third round four minutes in finish and i'm like oh my goodness can you know oh it's it's it doesn't grab you as much as it, as, as it doesn't grab me as much as it used to uh but like you said you get a get a cup swanson do a choy fight and you know when you read something uh if i get a message or if i see it online saying fight of the year then I'll sit back and watch it. But there's nothing worse than having to watch MMA in in you know in double speed sort of thing because yeah. you know nothing happened in this fight. But you know it is what it is. You know, we go up and down this card here. I mean, there, there's been some interesting results, some interesting chatter afterwards. Um, Wilson Heist did emerge victorious, or Heist, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it wasn't exactly the greatest performance against Sasaki, who did some pretty good damage, did some pretty good neutralization uh, of Heist's skill set. But Wilson, does he deserve a title shot still? Yeah, he does, just because it's lack of contenders at this point. And I know he didn't really give us the type of performance that warrants a title shot that you really say, oh, clear-cut you know, guy that you want to have. But I just think there's no options at this point. The UFC really has done a poor job of marketing the flyweight division. I know they had the ultimate fighter, but in general, it just has not been a division that fans, uh, even hardcore fans, are getting excited about. And, you know, Wilson Hayes going into this fight was a heavy favorite Sure didn't look like it in that fight, did he, Joe? I mean, it was one of those fights where he really didn't do himself any favors. I imagine they'll give it to him. I don't know if they want to go the angle of, you know, that he, uh, you know, was a top contender. Well, he's a, actually, he was an elite XC champion, uh, believe it or not, uh, back in the day. So I don't know if they want to sell that. But uh, he, he, it's a tough sell at this point, uh, you know, for, for Hayes to, you know, get the shot. But I think they don't really have an option at this point because I can't think of anyone else who really uh, would leapfrog ahead of him at this point. Uh, I'm kind of glad my boy Bilal Muhammad from Titan FC emerged victorious versus Randy Brown in a, in a tough fight. I mean, Randy Brown had that reach, but a good job by Bilal Muhammad. But if we move on over to the main card, Dustin Poirier taking on Jim Miller, Ooh. a majority decision. That was a ridiculous fight. Dustin Poirier, again, refused to read the memo from his coaches. The memo he probably read before he got into the to the octagon. It says, do not brawl with Jim Miller. Uh, be tactical, be technical, do your thing. But he can't. He's a fighter. And Jim Miller... I don't know what is what is infused into his jaw. It's probably some sort of asphalt that we have on our Canadian streets. I won't break down for the salt on the roads because of the snowstorms, but what a fight. 
Oh my God. I thought Poirier was done. I really did. When he started, when Miller started teeing off on that leg, um, I can't think of a fighter who has been able to stand on one leg and still compete. It almost reminded me a little bit of Jamie Varner when you could see his foot, uh, you know, clearly broken in that matchup. But this, uh, Poirier was able to get the takedown and you just start saying, oh my God, he's going to survive and win this. Um, incredible. And, you know, I don't think a lot of fighters would have been able to continue the way Dustin Poirier did in that third round. And he certainly needed it because, uh, you know, coming off the loss to Michael Johnson, uh, this was a big win for Dustin Poirier and I think really uh, showed a lot of people in that division that this guy has got some heart and he can uh, you know get through those wars no matter who it is there was one scorecard that was a 28-28 and we all know that in the state of New York uh, they've adopted the new mixed martial arts rules and we start seeing yeah. some of the judging be a bit more liberal uh, some 10-8 yeah. rounds uh, were flying around and one of them of course was in the actual uh, Glover to share about against Jared Cannonier. yeah I like the 10-8. The 10-8 should have been going, not flying around, but should have been used far more before these new rules came in because the definition, even before the changes happened, defined what a 10-8 should have been. Uh, before we get to the Glower fight, are you happy with what was going down? We're not going to talk about refing just yet, uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of the judging, are you happy with how the judges uh, were scoring the fights in, in Brooklyn? Uh, there was still a couple iffy ones. You look at the Anderson Silva fight. Uh, you know, I don't know how any judge could give it three rounds to Silva in that matchup. I didn't really agree with that too much. I mean, there, there's still some work to do. I guess it's getting a little bit better. But again, you see these cards where you have these questionable scorecards. I think there is a lot of work to do as far as, you know, here's my thing, Joe. You could get uh, the most qualified people to go and become judges, whether they're ex-fighters or there's anything else. But the fact is you see this general consensus on social media. Not every fan's an expert, but I think most fans have an idea of how to score a fight, I, I think most were pretty upset at some of the scorecards that we saw. And to me, that says there's still some more work to do. Of course, of course. I mean, certification is, is something that uh, I firmly believe in um, only because it's it's no different than any other job. You look at what you and I uh, do and did for a living. Pick any job. You can't just go in there and do a great job if you haven't been trained, if you don't know what's going on. And there's a lot of complications, uh, not complications, but I guess uh, nuances in mixed martial arts that you don't get from the boxing world or just in general. Like, I mean, I would hate, I mean, if they came to you and I, James, and they said, okay, uh, Joe, you're an Oakland Raiders fan. Um, you know, James, you're, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, uh, I need you guys to ref the game uh, on Sunday when these two guys, yeah. when these two teams play. Uh, yeah. Been watching football my whole life. Doesn't mean I can ref a game. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And, and then there's and then there's the, the issue, too, with, you know, getting fighters in there is there's connection to gyms, right? So you might have a fighter who represents a certain gym, and if his fighter's fighting on the card or there, there might be some sort of bias there. It it's really is difficult to, to come up with good judging uh, in this sport. And, uh, you know, I, again, like, like you were saying with the certification, I think that's the way to go as far as, you know, having a standard that uh, people can use as, you know, being good judges. But it's the whole thing's very complicated. It's not such a simple answer. Absolutely. Uh, Glover Teixeira returns after getting brutally knocked out by Anthony Rumble Johnson. He does emerge victorious uh, against Jared Cannonier. Uh, but afterwards, he flat out said, you know what, I got to step up my game if I got to compete with these five light heavyweights. Um, DC, Daniel Cormier did talk about the fact that Glover Teixeira wasn't bobbing his head, and that was evident. Uh, and that, that sometimes can, can come with age. Sometimes it's just, you know, it, it, it depends on your opponent, but you should always be bobbing and weaving your head. But uh, I wasn't overly, I wouldn't say I wasn't upset with Glover's performance, but I do understand considering who he was competing against because Jared Cannonier is a bad, bad man. Considering he was underneath Glover a few times, his hips did not stop moving. Most guys flatten out when Glover's on top, and then boom, that ground and pound starts coming in. So I think good on Jared Cannonier, despite him, you know, he didn't really win a round on any of the judges' scorecards, but your thoughts on Glover and Jared's fight? 
Yeah, this is a bad scenario for the UFC right here. I mean, I know Glover has not fought DC yet, so that, there's that matchup that's still on the table. But really, Jared Cantonier was the guy you wanted to win this fight because the, the light heavyweight division right now is a mess, and you don't really have anyone in, in the wings that you can say is the clear-cut contender after John Jones comes back and you know uh, gets his belt back. Um, so th- there's that aspect of it. But yeah, Glover, I think we have to realize this is a guy who's getting up there in age. There's a guy who's taking a lot of damage in his career. So uh, you know, there are there. I, I believe we are seeing a slower Glover. Uh, you know, as he's coming up through these fights and i think it's just a, a product of age and for Cantonier, he lost the fight you hope he comes back and sort of improves from it because they do need more people especially now with ryan bader leaving and now misha Serkinov apparently not back with the ufc that's a whole other issue we can talk about later but it's 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 really uh it does not do the light heavyweight division any favors the result of this fight uh, on saturday night can you say the same thing though at middleweight because ronaldo jacques de souza yeah Takes out Tim Boach, and I mean, when Jacare got that takedown and he got on top, and I explained it, uh, or Sean Ross Sapp and I talked about it on Saturday, I said, it's not just that this guy is so methodical when he gets down to the ground. It's jujitsu basics. And you talk to Jacare, you talk to Damian Maya, you talk to any of the jujitsu practitioners that are at high level, uh, and they'll all tell you the same thing, even if it's no gi. It's the basics that work. If you have a good understanding of the basics of techniques, not getting overly complicated and, and advanced, you're going to be fine. And when he did what he did to Tim Boach, a lot of that was the basics. But my goodness, when he jumped on that arm, when he was able to lock in that Kimura, it wasn't the fact that I mean, if anyone's ever trained jiu-jitsu in their life, and I mentioned this on Saturday or Sunday morning, I guess, it's not just when you grab the wrist, okay? And then you could start cranking. If you're able to grab this, the top of the, the the hand and turn and twist. It's game over. It's game over. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's been the story with Jacare's career. You fight Jacare, it goes to the ground, it's game over. Um, you know, again, proving why he's one of the top guys in the middleweight division. It's actually unfortunate because, you know, we've had these issues with Michael Bisping, whether he's injured or whether he wants to fight other fighters, he wants these big-name fights. And you're seeing this logjam at 185. you got Yoel Romero, who defeated Jacare in the wings. You've got Jacare as well, who's not getting any younger, Joe. He's only getting older. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate because he's a guy. And then Anderson Silva wins. So now you have the potential of doing a Silva fight, which would generate more money than unfortunately Romero or Jacare so the division's a mess but Jacare is still proving why he's maybe the most underrated middleweight fighter on the roster right now Dude, James he's a bad bad man if anybody out there yeah tells me or you yeah. that Jacare doesn't deserve a title shot or, is, or isn't good in this division I need to know I want to yeah. blast them. I will blast them on this podcast because that <laughs> is insane. Will. That guy yeah. there, and I tell people all the time, if you go and you rewatch that Yoel Romero fight, yeah. he it, it goes back to one time when I saw BJ Penn against Takanori Gomi. I think it was in Hawaii. Yeah, Rumble on the Rock. I yeah. Uh, when I saw BJ in that fight, that's when I realized, holy smokes, this guy's a fighter. This is a real fighter. Take away all the skills. Take away boxing, jiu-jitsu, and blah, blah. This guy's heart. This guy's this guy's a monster. Jacare in that fight versus Yoel Romero, despite losing that fight, just show to me, man, this guy just, you, you, you need to, if, if you don't hit him with the kitchen sink, you're not going to finish him. You're not going to hurt him. This guy's a real fighter. He's a very, very dangerous fighter in this division. I like the fact that you mentioned uh, potentially this fight with Anderson Silva if he doesn't get, because Jacare flat out said, James, I'm not waiting for this title shot. I'm not yeah. poor. I'm not here to wait. I got to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest. Um, I would like the, the you know, the, this, we see more of these entertainment fights. I'd rather see this become more of a sport. Look, Bisping, I didn't like the fact that I, I can understand why he wants the big money fights, but I don't like the fact that he's starting to pick and choose at this point. He got to pick and choose. And that was Dan Henderson. He got the, the fight that 
really Henderson should have not got the title shot. It was a fun fight. We all liked it, but let's be honest here. We've got to still consider this a sport. And I agree. It's got to be Jacare or Romero next. And uh, I don't know what you do at this point. And by the way, I actually had Jacare winning that fight against Romero. It was very close and I actually gave him the nod, but what are you going to do? Yeah, well, there was a lot of things that happened in that fight that I could, I could, I mean, there, there's, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you ever met my friend, uh, I, I brought him over to sports that was on sports that my friend Rodney, tall guy, he's a cop, whatever, uh, and I was at his place and we watched that fight and I can, we could dissect so many things that happened in that fight over and over again that would just put a smile on anyone's face. Uh, it could be a 30 minute show. I mean, that fight there, uh, it's one of my favorites just because of the different dynamics that both guys brought to the fight and what happened in the boat. Just a fantastic fight, in my opinion. Now, Anderson Silva taking on Derek Brunson, co-main event, UFC 208. Many people are saying, yeah, it wasn't a fantastic fight because in my mind, we all look at Anderson Silva and, you know, there, there's in my mind at least, there's a vintage thing, vintage part of my DNA that says, you can't take your eyes off the screen when Anderson Silva's competing. If you're there in person, you can't take your eyes off of the octagon because you never know when he's going to throw a front kick to someone's face like Vitor Belfort, when he's going to get against the cage against Stefan Bonner and start bobbing and weaving and you can't hit me, when he when he backs away and throws rights or lefts to Forrest Griffin. We just never know what he's going to do. Four minutes uh, into the into round five, he triangle chokes. Uh, I think it was four minutes in there. He triangle chokes uh, you know, Chael Sonnen, uh, and then the next fight destroys him. You just never know what's going to happen but james it's 41 tell me yeah. look into the camera and say show down joe slow down because he's 41 dude it's not <laughs> happening anymore yeah i mean i i thought i i think for for anderson at this point i mean he lost a step but i i, I don't think he won the fight but i don't think at the same time he's like this uh, i heard people you know making comparisons to bj penn absolutely not this guy's not done but he's not in my opinion uh, he didn't win that fight against Brunson. So it's, it's difficult to me. I, you got to watch Anderson Silva fight. And I think at this point, you know, with what he's done in the past, he still must see TV, even though I didn't think he won that fight. Um, okay. You say he didn't win that fight. Yeah. I gave it to him 29-28. You did? Okay, I'm interesting. 27. I want to know, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not much of a drinker. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I'm not much of a smoker. But whatever that judge was on, ah, Maybe you know we could we could try it out. I don't know, but yeah. thirty twenty seven. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I I gave Brunson all three rounds. I for me it was it was more about volume than it was about actual you know definitive strikes. Um, I think that's some of the arguments you see in some of these other matchups about uh, you know certain fights that have been controversial. But to me, Brunson was the more active guy. He was landing more shots. Anderson has a tendency of not you know going in for the kill. We saw that in the Bisping fight. I think that in this fight, it just showed that that Brunson was, in my opinion, I thought he was just landing more of the shots, and I felt that that was enough to earn him the nod. But apparently not. And, uh, you know, social media, I saw was split on this. I didn't think it was necessarily, uh, you know, clear cut, but uh, I felt Brunson did enough to win, but that's just me. You said something uh, that's been on my mind and bothering me for years, <laughs> and it's, okay. it goes back to Anderson Silva versus Patrick Cote in Chicago when I okay. first noticed this. Okay. What you said was uh, has a tendency to not go for the kill. Yeah. That to me is going to be what I will remember. What I will also remember Anderson Silva for, not for his greatness, because he's just he's fantastic. This guy was he is the Matrix. Okay, yeah. he was li- he was a living in, in my lifetime. When I can start talking to my son one day, when he has kids, his you know, my grandkids, I could say I was there for for all these Anderson Silva fights. Okay, all these media passes behind me. I was there for this one and that one, but there was just something about Anderson Silva. He just wouldn't pull the trigger. 
if he always did, he would have been, you know, Mike Tyson times 300 because he would have put fear into everyone. He just played too much. Uh, and, and, and it's not in this fight here. I don't know about this fight here, to be honest with you, with Derek Brunson, but mm-hmm. will you remember Anderson Silva sort of the same way as his dominant fighter, but not as dominant as he could have been? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. And you know, the fight for me in that was the Bisping fight. He had a great opportunity. And granted, he did knee him and he did knock out Bisping. I mean, that's still one of the most, people don't talk about that enough, the, the controversy in that fight, because whether, because the ref didn't warn him. There was this whole, you know, issue with, uh, you know, Silva kneeing Bisping after the ref supposedly, you know, called, it, it, was, it was, the whole thing was weird. But to me, even leading up to that, there were points when Silva could have finished the fight, I think, and he didn't for whatever reason. And it, whether it's, you know, the, the bashfulness of him, you know, being uh, coy and everything else. I, for me, it was, yeah, I, it's frustrating, you know, especially like the Maya and Talos latest fights. Those were ones where it's like, come on, man, like this is where you have the, the, you know, the opportunity to, to create a highlight reel. And now you're getting people mad at you because you didn't finish the fight. And I don't think he realizes it. I really don't yeah. think he, back then and even now he doesn't realize it that, you know, and again, got to understand a lot of these guys and girls, they operate on different frequencies than what, A, the media are looking at, B, what the fans like to see, despite them always saying, I want to put on a good performance for the fans. Well, if you look back at what you did in some of those bouts, you cannot say you put on a good performance for the fans. But there were times when you look at what he did and you're like, oh my God, this guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He was absolutely fantastic. Anderson Silva. We joked about it on Saturday, okay, after the event. There's a rea- there's a potential reality here. There's a lot of – you mentioned social media uh, and a lot of people taking a lot of shots at the UFC, the new UFC ownership, um, that there's bills that need to be paid, that there's certain investments that need to be taken care of. Would you be surprised if Anderson Silva and Michael Bisping too was booked before Romero, Bisping, and or potentially put on Romero versus uh, Jacare as a co event. Would you be surprised in all this? No, no, not at all, not at all. I would be, I would be Nate Diaz, not surprised. Let's put it that way. I think that uh, this is a this is a sport that it, it is lacking on star power. Rousey's out. McGregor's not coming back till later. John Jones is no, nowhere to be seen at this point. Uh, they, they need an Anderson Silva to you know to, to fight in a title fight in 2017. I think that is something that they need to sort of build up the audience and, and to get people interested again. You know, you go to any casual fan joe a lot of people know anderson silva so you say he's fighting in a title fight they'll be cool you know they'll, they'll want to go see the fight you ask him who you all romero is nobody knows who this guy is it's just it's a reality of the sport and we're seeing the new ownership especially going with entertainment over merit and that is what i think is going to happen i think anderson silva will fight this i can't believe james we're talking about this oh my god i know i know <laughs> it's happening it's it's I, I, I when sean ross Sapp said it to me on saturday i i i just about you know peed myself saying shut up no and now I, the more i think about it yeah it's just, this this could actually happen now it's it, what drives me partially batty and, and it's my own bias obviously um when you and i worked together at sportsnet there was a certain tv show um you know apparently it was named ufc central we, we, we used to promote fighters you yeah. know and i would walk down the row and i would see you or if you were upstairs hey what do you think of this or what's going on and blah blah that's when we first sort of met yeah. but there was something in canada that was promoting the fights. We we're promoting the fighters. I would go out. I'd be able to interview Yuel Romero as an example. I'd be able to interview anyone and everyone uh, and start promoting them and, and getting people to understand who they are. There's no option for that in Canada right now. Uh, no. There's barely you know, some options on mainstream television in the States right now, despite UFC on Fox. Um, and then there's so many fighters on the UFC roster, which you know we all know they cut 30 of them, or there's a report <laughs> that they cut 30 of them. Um, there's a lot, in my opinion, that 
they're finally doing, but now it's coming across as, as negative. Uh, the fact that people don't know who Yoel Romero is is bad, considering he's the guy that should be fighting for the title next. That's bad. The fact that in the main event on at UFC 208, um, Jermaine Durandamy, Nobody knows or knew who she was. They knew who Holly Holm was because she was out there doing the circuit. There's just too many fighters on the roster, in my opinion, and not enough mainstream promotion of these fighters. Uh, am I wrong in this? No, it's 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 the UFC not being able to, to to build up these stars, and they've relied too heavily on the star power that they've had in the past, like your Ronda Rousey's, like your McGregor. Um, it's tough. I mean, Duran Duran, I mean, I, I do this thing... Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With fighters, when I interview them, I do this thing called pros picks where I ask them, you know, who they think a certain fight is going to win. And most of the people picked Holly because nobody, even the fighters, don't know much about Duran Duran. I mean, so what does that say if their own fighters on the roster don't even know anything about this fighter? It's tough. I, I don't really know what the solution is as far as, you know, having to um, get these fighters promotions. I mean, like you said, there aren't any weekly shows uh, out there anymore. I mean, there's UFC Tonight, but that's more of a news show. You're not seeing uh, profiles done. They have the countdown show, they have embedded, they have all these other things, but that's more catered to hardcore fans. My dad is not going to watch UFC Countdown if it happens to just air on TSN or something like that. So I think it's one of those things where uh, the UFC is a real problem. And, um, you know, they're even having that with the champions they have now. Look at Amanda Nunes. They didn't even do any press for her leading up to 207. They put her on, I think it was Ellen, but it's a tough sell, Joe. It, it really is. I don't know what the solution is, but I think not having those weekly shows where you can at least profile fighters definitely hurts. I, I don't want to give away the the quote-unquote cookie-cutter um program or, or lineup that we had for my tv show because uh as as any canadians know it was successful uh and i don't want to i would never share that uh you could probably try people could try and go back and look at them good luck trying to find it uh but they can go back and wonder why it was successful we had a specific uh and we called it the scientific approach and i sat down when i first pitched it to sportsnet and we said i said this is what I would recommend, and here's why. And they loved it, and we ran with it, and it was fantastic. And that was a time when you could go up and down the UFC roster, and people, mainstream, would know a lot about a lot of fighters. Canadian fighters? They knew every single Canadian fighter, what city they were from, what they did before they got into MMA. That doesn't happen right now. We're going to get to a Canadian card momentarily because that's what's happening this Saturday, uh, or Sunday, excuse me, in Halifax. But the main event, 208. Jermaine Durandamy becomes victorious, has her hand raised versus Holly Holm in a very controversial fight. One, one point should have been taken away. Two points should have been taken away. It would have made a huge difference because Holly Holm lost his fight by one point on three judges' scorecards. You take away one point, it's a draw. You take away two points, Holly Holm is the first woman champion ever to have a title in two different divisions. Uh, overall, like you said, this fight wasn't exciting, uh, but your take in general. Worst case scenario for the UFC. Duran Duran, I mean, wins the title. Nobody knows who she is. There's contra- like people don't even like her because of this whole controversy, at, you know, hitting Holly Holm after the bell. And so now you have, uh, you know, a situation where you have this champion that people don't know, really don't like because of what's happened. You know, it's this whole scenario. And then on top of that, Joe, you got Chris Cyborg who's supposed to fight her next. And she's, you know, who knows what's happening with this whole USADA thing. So this whole, uh, this whole thing is just a complete disaster. And how about Holly Holm? 
Three in a row now she's lost. She, any momentum she had about beating Ronda Rousey is, I would say, almost gone at this point. What do you even do with her at this point? And now, you know, you have this uh, sort of a horrible way to end the card as well with this controversy on a card that already had so many fights going to a decision. Uh, this was worst case scenario. And, you know, you saw Dana White after the card. He couldn't wait to get out of there. It was just a, a bad card overall. Sour way to end the card uh, for an already kind of boring card. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird because... You know, Holly deserves the rematch, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, GDR says she wants to rematch Holly Holm. Uh, we all know Cyborg. This is Cyborg's division, but it's a division that has barely any depth. Uh, it, they've got to bring in, you know, parties that aren't exactly on the level of the three or four girls that can compete in this division or are locked into Bellator and or World Series of Fighting or mm-hmm. girls that have to come up from 135 pounds, which, is, which isn't too bad. Okay, yeah. it's not, it's not the, the worst thing. If, if provided you are a... Um, larger frame fighter for 135 pounds, maybe 145 should be your division. So the, the, I guess in time we may see some depth here, but it's it's a mess. It's a mess because, yeah. like you said, we don't know what's happening with Cyborg, Holly Holm. Even Holly Holm's camp basically said, "Ah, we're not sure if we want to rematch um, Durand and me." Well, yes, you do. Okay, like yeah. yes, you do. Uh, it, it was a weird sort of strategy, in my opinion, what they were to Holly Holm going for those takedowns, with especially the ones that were very, very telegraphed. Okay, uh, I'm sure that that's something that you know, despite Izzy Martinez basically telling her what to do when they were up against the cage, uh, and in terms of clinch, uh, I think what needs to be done is, is she needs to set up her takedowns accordingly with her with her strikes. Um, but like you said, GDR did not make any fans. No, did not make any fans. You're the champion, and you know it, it's it's so it, there's a, there's a fine line. I, now again, she just beat an American. Yeah, she beat an American in New York. You're from Holland, yeah. You know the Iron Lady and stuff like that. So I understand that, but you know, and then she talks about hand surgery. She may be out. Like, talk about a division that's going to be a disaster. I mean, oh, when are we going to see this title defended? I have no idea. I didn't even mention that about the surgery. You're right. I forgot about that. That is another thing that, that's also a disaster. Um, I, I don't know what you do at this point. I think they're going to have to put it on hold. The only kind of saving grace in this thing, and again, I'm kind of shooting for the stars here, but they do have a very uh, you know top prospect in uh, Megan Anderson who's the Invicta FC uh, featherweight champion. She is very marketable, you know, Australian girl, uh, you know, attractive, very good record, very good fight style. I mean, she's knocking girls out left, right, and center. There's some potential there, but again, nobody knows who she is outside the hardcore. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with this division and you mentioned you know having people move up from 35 i don't think the options are there you could have done misha tate but she's retired misha tate has some name value but she, she's not fighting anymore so i don't know what they're going to do um this whole thing is just it's a disaster um probably the most confusing division right now in the ufc i do find it weird that misha wouldn't want to come back uh no no no, no. let me rephrase that not yeah. that i not that i think it's weird but Two years ago, if she did this, she'd be back. You know, I understand oh, why she's not doing it now, obviously, with the damage that she's incurred. But, you know, it is what it is. Before we get to this UFC Halifax card, um, you want to get Jacek, uh, Jessica Andrade, Ooh. UFC 211. I like it. This is going to be a good fight. Yeah, this this might be the most violent Joanna, Joanna and Jacek uh, fight that we've seen yet. Uh, Andrade is just destroying girls left, right, and center. I mean, Angela Hill hang, hung in there. But let's be honest here, Andrade dominated that fight. I, I'm really excited for this matchup. It seems like Andrade, ever since she's dropped down to strawweight, has been a completely different fighter. We've seen her fearless. We've seen her go in there and go for the kill. And Jan Jacek, uh, coming off a big win over Karolina Kowalkowicz at UFC 205, I think there's some potential here for fight of the year. Honestly, this is a, a really good women's fight, and I can't wait for it. Oh, my God. James Lynch just said potential fight of the year with these two ladies. And he also yes. said this could be the most 
Which, violent Ioana Jacek fight to date. And, and I mean, yeah. you want to talk about Jessica Panay's fight with uh, Ioana? Uh, mm-hmm. there's, she's put on some violence. But, yeah, this fight is going to be absolutely ridiculous. UFC 212, uh, Jose Aldo Jr. taking on Max Holloway. But it's in Rio. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah. like that if I'm Max Holloway. But I don't think he really cares, to be honest with you. No, he Max Holloway will fight anywhere, anytime. Uh, he's a guy that uh, you know, he's got that Hawaii attitude. Uh, you know, fight anyone at any point. So I bet he thrives off this, this, if anything. And I think he's he's a guy that you can't really dislike. He's so friendly. I mean, we were you know UFC two hundred six. He was like an honorary Canadian for the night. He's a guy that just has no problem winning fans over. And I can't wait for the matchup. Um, good on Holloway for accepting it and going into enemy territory. But he's got his workout cut out for him in uh, Jose Aldo. All right. Halifax. Uh, are you going to the card in Halifax? I am not. Uh, it's a bit of a hike. Uh, I will be going to UFC 210, and I believe you are as well, so we'll uh, link up on that. But no Halifax for me. Too tough to get out there. Uh, as Canadians, are we allowed across the border? Uh, yeah, I was born here, so I think, I, think, I think it should be okay. You know, we'll see. But uh, you never know. Um, yeah, as far as I know, uh, I think everything... I got a Nexus card, so that should help out. Uh, so actually, do I. And yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I say that facetiously, and I say that as a joke, because yeah. I am a traveler. I travel to the States We're gonna get. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll get emails, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm kidding around. Um, but I did read some articles, by the way, um, regarding Canadians traveling to the States, and there could be some changes with the Nexus card. And for those who know what the Nexus card is, it's global entry, where you, you go through a, a pretty big interview process, and you're considered a trusted traveler. Basically, you travel a lot across the, the, the American border and the Canadian border, uh, but you go through a police screen check, you go through everything, so you're considered a trusted traveler. Uh, I've had the Nexus card, obviously, for about five or six years. James has it, but it doesn't matter right now. Obviously, with the new Trump regime, they are making some changes. Uh, and listen, I got no problem. I've been questioned before. Uh, I've been questioned, uh, if you look at my birth name and my last name, and you Google it, uh, you, will, you, you may find some interesting uh, characters uh, by the same name uh, of Italian descent uh, that had me sitting uh, in um, in questions and and some interrogation. Uh, one day I'll write a book about that. But that was actually funny. Anyways, uh, Halifax. We don't have to, we don't have to go through any sort of travel issues if we go to Halifax. And yes, Buffalo UC two ten. I will likely be there as well. Um, we can go up and down this card. Sure. Uh, I, I I like some of the stuff here. Uh, Eamon's a hobby. Eamon's a yeah. hobby's on the card. Uh, you know here he is. We waited for this for quite some time. He's taking out Reginaldo Vieira. Uh, your thoughts on this fight here? Uh, great fight. I think uh, Zahabi's got his work cut out for him. Uh, the one thing I look at here is Zahabi uh, does not have the experience factor heading into this one like his opponent does. Um, you've got Zahabi comes from the, the famed TriStar Gym. It's tough, Joe, because here's the thing. Uh, we know that Zahabi comes from a great camp, that he's you know extremely talented. He's got the undefeated record, but he hasn't really been tested, and that does worry me a little bit going into his debut here. I can't see the UFC giving him someone that they don't feel like would be a competitive matchup, um, but I do have my concerns. Uh, but there's some huge potential here for Zahabi because, of course, Bant weight is a division that could use some more contenders. Canada needs some more contenders as far as you know up and coming talent. I'm excited for this one though. Uh, Zahabi, I know I, you know just I interviewed him uh, before the the matchup here, and he's excited. He's been chomping at the bit to get fights. Uh, a lot of guys don't want to fight him, and now he finally is getting this opportunity here. But uh, like I said, fighting a guy in 13 and four of uh, Vahera, uh, it's, it's going to be a difficult fight for him. But I do see Zahabi coming out on top on this one again. You got to look at the camp he's coming from, the guys who are helping him get ready, and I think this is going to be a good performance from him in his UFC debut. Um, listed as Alessandro Ritchie. I know him as yeah. Alex Ritchie. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've known him for a while. Uh, and by the way, Alex, if you're watching this, uh, 
we, veal sandwich, bro. We were, you said after every fight, we would go for veal sandwiches and that was five fights ago. So that is approximately, uh, 2000 calories times five, 10,000 calories each that must be ingested. Uh, and after this fight, I think it's going to be six. So Alex, if you're watching, uh, we're going to be fat guys this summer. If that makes any sense. He's taking on Paul Felder, Alex. Wow. You are fearless. Paul Felder is no joke, man. Yeah, well, the thing with Alex is he's going to have a full camp for this one. We all remember he had the fight against Jeremy Kennedy on short notice. Uh, Kennedy was supposed to fight Josh Emmett, so uh, Ricci stepped in on that. And Kennedy's no joke, uh, probably the hottest prospect in Canada right now in the UFC. But here's the cool thing, Joe. Ricci's been training in Las Vegas with Angelo Reyes, who, uh, if that name sounds familiar, he is Frank Mir's boxing coach. So uh, Ricci has been down there the entire camp. I spoke to him. Just, you know, beaming with confidence, training guys uh, at, you know, at Extreme Couture, uh, you know, with guys like Kevin Lee, a fellow uh, lightweight fighter and, you know, other fighters out there that can really sort of push him. So uh, reach you with the full camp. Very interesting. But here's the bad thing. Paul Felder, guess where he's been training? Rufus Sport. He's been training with those guys over there. Uh, that's a great camp. You know, no shortage of uh, the who's who in that camp as well. So I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it, it, it's, it's a tough matchup for Ricci. But again, I think it's a fight that will be competitive. I don't think we can count out Ricci, you know, having the full camp. And I'm excited for it. Fight of the night for sure. Potential uh, in this one. UFC Central feature. Joe Ferraro, Alex Ricci, Veal Sandwiches. James Lynch joining us. Like, that would have been amazing. I know. I know. Absolutely. Right. Do you remember, actually, I was going to mention this. Uh, did you go to, you were at Bellator 47 when Ricci fought in his debut there. That was only his third fight. It feels like that was yesterday. That was 2011. You, I think you were at that fight. That was at, that was at Rama? That was at Rama. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, oh, the stuff we could have did, the stuff that's no longer that can be done. Um, well, maybe in the future. We'll see. Yeah, Carlos Barza yeah. was once the queen at 125 pounds. Uh, and then she met Joanna Jacek in a, in a bout that sort of people have always said stole her soul, uh, sucked the will to win out of her. I don't buy that, but I can tell you that she's tentative in my opinion. Uh, she's taken out Randa Marcos. And Randa Marcos, who was also uh, in the house with them, um, can really, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She can definitely add some value to her name because her stock has sort of been doing this and up, down, up, down. But here's an opportunity to, to really do damage here. Uh, and Randa on Canadian soil can really, really make some noise. Yeah, and should note, uh, Randa Marcos undefeated in Canada in her career. Uh, all of her losses have been in the U.S., so I don't know if that'll play a role, but uh, I agree. I think Carla has lost a step since the you know, J-Check fight. You saw the win over Juliana Lima. Very tentative in that matchup, and the other thing I don't like about Carla is the lack of activity. I mean, she's only fought, what, twice? Uh, three times since 2014. Uh, Marcos has been a lot more active, uh, but here's the thing with Marcos. She's not training at Michigan Top Team anymore. She's actually parted ways with them. Uh, she you know, was working with you know Darren Cruikshank and, and the group over there at MTT, uh, but she sort of training on her own with different gyms uh, in Windsor and in Michigan. So I don't know if that's going to benefit her in this matchup or not, but she's sort of customizing her camp, uh, you know, heading into this one. One other note, though, Marcos is working with the nutritionist. We saw in the, the fight against Courtney Casey, uh, the weight cut, she says anyways, when I spoke to her, really affected her in that fight. She missed weight against Jocelyn Leibarger at UFC Fight Night 89 as well. So if she's got the diet intact, maybe we can see, uh, you know, 100% Marcos going into this one. But I, is that going to be enough to fight a, you know, really good wrestler in Carlos Sparza? We'll see. But but Marcos needs to win, uh, struggling with uh, consistency in her UFC career. All right. Uh, we, I know we're running out of time here, so we'll kind of breeze through these next few fights. you got Nordin sure. Talib taking on maybe the best name in MMA, Santiago yeah. Ponsonibio. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts? Uh, I think Taleb can get this one done. You, you saw the last fight against Eric Silva, knocking him out. I think we sometimes forget that this is a guy who's amassed a pretty good UFC record. But Ponsonibio, 23-3. and three, ugh. 
It's tough to say. I, it'll be competitive, but I, I actually, I'll go Ponzinibbio on this one. I think he gets it done. All right. Uh, and for those who have never heard Nordim Talib, or Talib speak in person, probably the deepest voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarah McMahon, Gina Mazzini. Um, yeah. Sarah McMahon was someone I thought would rule this division. She hasn't. Uh, don't think she will. Uh, you never know, but uh, interesting bout and all the pressures on her. Yeah, I, I talked to Gina Mazzani ahead of this fight, and uh, this was kind of a surprise to her actually getting signed. She hasn't been that active. Uh, she fought last year, but before that, it was uh, you know 2013 she last uh, fought, which was the loss against uh, Juliana Pena um, on the Ultimate Fighter season 18. Uh, McMahon, I think I think this is a fight that is McMahon's to lose. Uh, we forget how dominant she is with her wrestling, and you know she certainly showed that in her last fight against Alexis Davis. So uh, give me McMahon in this fight, uh, but I'd like to see uh, Mazzani put up a fight. Elias Theodoro, who all we, we all know is a um, a co-host here at yes. Fightful MMA. Uh, he'll be joining me tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Despite it being fight week, he's taken on the person he said is a dead man walking in Cesar Ferreira. And Elias is going to bring the pain. Uh, obviously, if, you, if anyone's watched the podcast here, he's ready to rock and roll here. But this is not an easy fight for Elias, despite what Elias is saying. Uh, I do think he is going to emerge victorious. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't either. Uh, Ferreira's really turned things around. He's got three in a three uh, fight win streak right now after getting knocked out a couple times. Uh, but I really like the win uh, Elias Theodore had over Sam Alvey. We've seen the terror that Sam Alvey's gone la- on lately. So that was a good win for Elias. And I, I don't, I agree. I think it's going to be a tough fight for Elias to get through, but I do see him emerging victorious. I'm going to take him by decision though, instead of by knockout. Some people feel that he can knock out Ferreira. I think uh, Theodore is going to take it uh, all three rounds. Is there any chance I don't have to watch this fight and, and you can tell me what happens? Because I, I can't watch Elias's fights. I, go, I get too stressed out. Um, well, if you get a, a weird random message from me during this fight, because I'm not watching it, uh, and I'll, I'll wait for you to tell me the result. Uh, and then Elias to yell at me for not watching. Uh, Sam Cecilia, 145 pounds, taking on Gavin Tucker. Yeah, if you guys do one thing, watch my interview with Gavin Tucker, youtube.com slash Lynch on Sports. I have never, I interview a lot of fighters, Joe. I have never met someone so intense going into UFC debut. This guy is ready. He's been waiting his whole life to get this fight. I think Sam Cecilia is in trouble in this one. Uh, Tucker's undefeated. He's, he's fighting in his hometown. This is a perfect scenario for him to pull off an upset here. And I think he does it against Sam Cecilia. Uh, I just want to take a quick look here. Uh, Tucker's the favorite, minus one sixty. Oh, he is plus oh, one thirty. Yeah, uh, the, the line's been moving. There's a couple of books out there that had it at minus one forty, plus one twenty. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually picked Tucker. I was talking to a friend before, uh, not yesterday, um, when this fight was first put together, and I said Tucker's going to win this fight. Uh, the money is obviously showing that uh, you know he, he is the favorite uh, as we speak. Uh, we move on to the cool main event: Johnny Hendricks at one hundred and eighty. 85 pounds taken on Hector Lombard, who has competed at 185, who also competed at 170. These are this is the division both these guys should be at. Uh, it could make for an interesting fight, or it could make for a very boring fight. What do you think? I think we're going to see the latter. Both fighters have lost a step. I'm not going to say because of USADA, but it certainly hasn't looked, either fighter has looked the same since USADA has come in here. Uh, the thing is, you know, some people might say that, you know, Hendricks moving up is going to be at a disadvantage because Lombard has fought a lot at 185, but the reality is they're both short fighters. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be anything of a size difference between either fighter. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably go Hendricks in this one just because I think he's got a little bit more gas left in the tank. I think Lombard's taken a beating in his last couple fights, and it hasn't been pretty. So give me Johnny Hendricks by decision. Uh, our, our, our famous last words. I'm not going to say anything, but since USADA came in. Famous words. All right. Yeah. Uh, we all say it. Main yeah. event. Derek Lewis, Travis Brown. This is going to be, um, you know, I hate the term interesting, but it's going to be a dynamic situation for both of these fighters because it's going to say a lot 
uh, where either of them are in this division. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm actually surprised to see Travis Brown, the underdog here. I know he's on a bit of a losing streak, but uh, if you get the chance, watch uh, Robin Black's breakdown with uh, Travis Brown. He did recently for the UFC. It's just it's really great and kind of shows some of the ways that uh, Brown can win this fight. Uh, Lewis, I haven't really been that impressed with him. I know he's got the you know the winning streak. He's coming off the controversial win over uh, Nelson, and then he got the win at uh, UFC Albany. But uh, I think there's a good chance that Travis Brown could win this. And at plus money, plus 105 right now, I think he's worth the stab. I think this fight could go either way. Brown's got the experience. Lewis has got the winning streak coming in here so uh give me travis brown with the upset give me your thoughts fader millionenko taking on matt mitrione i like matt mitrione in this fight although he hasn't looked that great either in his bellator tenure uh he almost got knocked out uh in his debut and uh you know fader has definitely lost a step we saw that in the fight with maldonado uh give me mitrione though i, I think he's just got a little bit more left in the tank than fader does Josh Thompson taking on uh, Patricky Freire. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Bellator 172, yeah. Fedor versus Michione as we wrap up the show here because it is about it is an event uh, that we're going to watch uh, regardless. We'll just talk the main card. We went through the main event, co-main event, Josh Thompson, uh, Patricky Freire. Give me Josh Thompson in this one. I know he's had the layoff, but I think Thompson's experience and the fact that he trains at a great camp is going to pay dividends in this one. Uh, Thompson by decision, but it won't be an easy fight. Patricky's got that knockout power too. Uh, Czech Congo, 25-10-2, taking on Oli Thompson, 17-9. and uh, Congo will get it done in a boring decision like he usually does. I love Czech Congo, one of the nicest guys you'll ever talk to. I actually got to speak to him before this fight, but uh, I just he, he doesn't have what he used to have, and, and that is knockouts. So I think we're going to see another decision in this one. Speaking of knockouts, Maurizio Alonso taking on Josh Koscik. What do you see here? Tough. This is tough. Should Koscik even be fighting? It's, it's tough, man. He's, he's had a couple knockouts. He hasn't fought in forever. Um, I'll go Koscik because it kind of looks like they're trying to set this up. But the guy he's fighting is actually training with Josh Thompson. And Thompson tells me some really good things about him. So we'll see. Uh, but Koscik maybe gets it done. Decision? Yeah, I don't know. I think Alonzo's going to pull this off. Uh, anyway, before we let you go, anything that you want to discuss? Because uh, I'll tell you something right now. I've got some information. I've got a phone call tomorrow uh, to discuss Viacom to discuss Bellator and to discuss a lot of things that could be happening with changes in the world of mixed martial arts because it's not all what it seems at the top at the Viacom um, organization. Um, I, I will have more tomorrow, but uh, anything that you want to say before we let you go? Uh, and again, I appreciate you coming on here, but go ahead. Floor is yours, my friend. Uh, well, just quickly, uh, we didn't talk about it here, but I'll quickly mention, I really hope Misha Serkinov uh, figures out a way back to the UFC. I think it's a disaster if he leaves the UFC's light heavyweight division because they need uh, prospects. And it's a huge blow to Canadian MMA because Misha really gained a lot of momentum after that win at UFC 206. But uh, I'll quickly just plug some stuff here. Uh, YouTube.com slash Sports. You can find all my interviews there. I've got a bunch of interviews for this Halifax card. I think I interviewed like half the card, so go check that out. You can always follow me on Twitter at Sports. And Joe, anytime you need me on short notice, I appreciate the call. So thanks for having me. Oh, and I love the fact that when I did contact you today, you said, hey, man, I'm at home during the day. I'm like, yes, this is perfect. Because yeah. for those that for those that don't know, James and I always joke around because Monday nights for me, uh, I actually coach soccer. I coach my son's soccer. It is indoor soccer. Uh, and I, I love it. Why, James, uh, when you have kids, you ever coach? This is the one thing that will never bother you because you can't look at this for an hour. It is so peaceful whatever happens outside of the world i don't care and it's one peaceful thing uh but it is always oh my god i gotta go see james it's 9 30 i gotta go see james and do the podcast but during the day it's fantastic james thank you very much i appreciate it uh, i look forward to chatting with you for the rest of the week and for everyone that tuned in live 
Thank you very, very much. We always appreciate it. And for those tuning in later on, make sure you can catch us on, on, on Stitcher uh, and on iTunes. Uh, and, of course, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. Hashtag FightfulMMA. Follow James online, uh, social media, at Lynch on Sports. Follow yours truly, at Showdown Joe. As always, thank you very much. Wishing all of you guys the, an amazing Monday afternoon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.